Hello and welcome to this week's episode of College News Fit to Digest. Every week we pick a few news items relating to US colleges and discuss it with our own Shweta Bagade. Alma Matters curates the news daily relating to US colleges and makes it available on almamatters.io/news. We pick a few news items from that curated list and discuss it every week here in these podcasts. Now, without further ado, on with the podcast. Hey Shweta. Hey Vankal, how are you today? Doing really well, and you? Uh, excellent for a Monday. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea why Monday gets such a bad rap, but you know. Um, <laughs> Uh, okay, so we have some good topics to talk about today. Um, one is sort of a, um, based on a report, I guess, about the STEM workforce and these guys at, um, I think they are part of some physics society and they've kind of looked at um, the needs of the workforce and made a bunch of recommendations. And one of them really includes a huge emphasis on, you know, welcoming and nurturing international students. So um, I was just wondering what you thought of that. Oh yeah, this was a this was actually a really interesting article because it talks about the you know, as you said, in being more um, welcoming and providing more opportunities for international students to build our STEM workforce, which I thought was an interesting. Point. And then I also, what I found really interesting is how funding works for a lot of the mm-hmm. research institutes. And the there's a clear imbalance of how, and this is, I believe, federal funding and how that's distributed to the universities, which mm-hmm. then, of course, hires and encourages students to work in these research institutes, which would include the international students. So mm-hmm. it, it's this really domino effect of how the funding goes. And then ex- when you look at the, let me backtrack a little, when you look at how the funding is done, then the accessibility to all students, especially international students, is not necessarily balanced. And so I, I find that piece really interesting. Um, I also found some of their solutions to it really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the uh, I mean the whole whole idea of trying to I mean STEM. If you look at international students, they are you know a disproportionate number of them come to the STEM uh, programs, right? Definitely. About uh, you know sixty to seventy percent, I think, was the last uh, number that, and then business was number two. So, um, you know, so the liberal arts and the social sciences get uh, far fewer students. So, I mean, a there is uh, there is that, and then in the master's program or the graduate programs, it's even more skewed, right? I mean, um, almost sixty percent of the graduate programs are uh, populated by international students, and so. I think I think this is um, I mean I think this is all what has been happening for the last few decades, but it's just that it got such a jolt in the last four five, four years or so 
um, that I think there's a need to kind of look at it and see how to do this right. And also there's been a de-emphasis on the whole STEM area, sciences in general, and uh, not just de-emphasis, but, you know, outright maligning of sciences. And so uh, I think there's a lot of work done to be done to sort of climb back to it. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, all, all that points to just more, um, sorry, uh, all that points to sort of more uh, support and encouragement for um, students from all over the world. No, definitely. I think there's there's a couple of issues that this article brings up. Um, and one of them is, I go back to accessibility. If you only have a narrow population that has access to these research institutes, mm -hmm. they're not drawing in the potential um, STEM workforce that's available at these other, you know, lesser known, smaller um, universities. And you're then shutting out a whole population of people access to these kinds of opportunities. Sure. And when people complain about, you know, we don't have enough STEM workers, that is definitely part of the problem. So especially when you get to that, like, like you said, the graduate level where the research is much deeper and uh, more intensive and definitely more innovative. Uh, it's really important to kind of capture that, population of students that you're just missing out on that diversity is what brings innovation and so you're able to probably generate more innovation if you were more accessible so yeah it's a it's an interesting thing i would love to see some of these changes come into place it would definitely take some time and it would be a long process but i think they're definitely doable mm -hmm. And then I, of course, you know, as a parent, you know, I look at even like that, the height, it doesn't address it, but I look at the high school level and just not enough. There's a STEM focus, but I don't believe it's the right STEM focus. And it would be awesome if they would shift some of that and do a little bit of a broader distribution and accessibility to everybody. So anyway. I would love to see the some of these changes. Let's see if it happens. I'm, I'm sure it will. I mean, I, you know, um, at least the short-term gain has been, you know, a lot more people kind of trying to get into life sciences and medicine. Um, and they've attributed a lot of that to Dr. Fauci and the whole infectious diseases sort of over the last year with the pandemic. The second area that has benefited tremendously is the whole data analysis and um, data intelligence, database intelligence, because that is another area that um, has gotten a lot of attention because of all this. So, I think I think you know um, these kind of you know uh, big events, uh, events of a century kind of thing, certainly make huge moves, and I think that would have seismically shifted. Um, quite a few people in that, or at least move them in that direction. So, yep. So yeah, nice to, nice, would be nice to see a lot of these changes. <laughs> you know, I, I was surprised to read an article in US News about uh, the lawmakers in Kansas trying to 
you know, um, legislate that the state colleges, I guess, in general, the universities anyway, should be making refunds or tuition refunds for the COVID-19 disruptions over the last uh, year now. And um, in a lot of ways, it's, it's surprising, but also troubling. So um, I just wanted to see what your take on that is. Uh, yeah. So if you look at, if we just look at this specific situation with the, the state of Kansas, I think it's a little unfair to expect universities, the way it, the article reads is it would be almost retroactive. You think of students who were then put online suddenly back in spring of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they continued on into the fall of 2020. These schools plan practically a year in advance for the following year. And right. to be able to say, well, you you need to give money back because you went online for whatever reason, you know, for safety and things like that. And they they just aren't set up to do that. They they've spent that money and they've planned for and they've used it. So to ask them to refund it just doesn't make sense. And I think you're hurting if this would only apply to public schools because they can't regulate the private universities. You're hurting the systems that are most accessible to students Mm -hmm. because it's not just the big universities. It would be the smaller state schools, the community colleges. It would be required of all of them. And those are the schools that are really allowing they're more accessible to students based on location or funding and scholarships and things like that. So I think this could really send a bad message if it goes through. I don't know if it will go through or carry on any momentum beyond Kansas or maybe a handful of states might be able to do it. And I think the the long term or not the long term, the short-term effect would be it would accelerate these universities in how strong they are. It Mm -hmm. would, it would show there's always been, we've talked about this before where there's been a history of a questioning of how high uh, college education is in this country and how much it's gone up over, you know, the past 20 years or so. And there's always been that question of, how, why is it so high? Mm-hmm. How is that? How do you validate that? And the universities have been starting to look at it. The pandemic has forced them to look at it much more closely. And I think a legislation like this in Kansas would accelerate that even faster, where a university wouldn't even have a chance to make the changes necessary. They would just have to cut severely or even potentially close. Yeah, I mean, I, and I you know, uh, you were mentioning um, um, before about this New York Times article that, um, you know, the applications for the better known colleges uh, for the 2021 sort of session has gone through the roof, whereas the ones who are suffering are the lesser known colleges. So if you are in a you know, that spiral now with, you know, having to return the money and also fewer students um, in the future, 
that's uh, basically going to not just stress test, but even eventually collapse the system. So it's scary. Definitely. It's very scary. And when you talk about in this country, they're always talking about access and equity and um, having opportunities for everybody. When you start doing that, those things, the cutting of the schools and schools closing, that starts to not happen. You start to see even a bigger divide. So I'm hoping that Kansas legislation doesn't go through. The last thing for today is, um, you know, the whole vaccine, I mean, the vaccination process or the schedule is, you know, has a lot of bumps in the road right now, thanks to a lot of factors. But it looks like the college students are not going to get it real soon, or at least they're last on the list of uh, categories. I mean, I'm not necessarily thinking that's a bad thing, but uh, what do you think? Um, You know, I hate to say it, you know, parent of children in that age group. I understand why. Yeah. Their risk is low. The, for in general, of course, and their recovery rate is very high. And so I think it would be more prudent for, and I, of course, I wouldn't know how, if, if it's the CDC or how this would work, but it would be definitely more prudent to understand um, some of those underlying conditions that they feel <laughs> make you more vulnerable to COVID mm-hmm. and identify that. And then make a priority based on those. Because I'm sure there are college students that have some underlying conditions. Like, sure. You know, if it affects the lungs, I think anything related to like asthma and things like mm-hmm. that might be considered an underlying condition. But it just doesn't, it seems to be inconsistent. Um, but I, I agree with the approach. You have to have a priority. Um, and the other piece of this, I listened to Dr. Fauci um, maybe a couple of days ago mention that he, as the population gets more and more vaccinated, you can start to see that gradual going back to, you know, what we remember as normal mm-hmm. pre-COVID. And I think if you're vaccinating the older people you know the people in their 40s and 50s and 60s and such that Mm -hmm. even if not all the college students are vaccinated yet Mm -hmm. having that population kind already protected is still a much safer place than it was without the vaccination so i think he said if if you reach like 70 percent or 75 percent population um, and that 25% could be the college students and younger. So I feel like that's what he's talking about. He's talking about older people like us that mm-hmm. need to get it. And then the people who are around us that are younger are probably in, you know, in their late teens and twenties are going to be fine until they do get it. Yeah. 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 I think, I think the, at this point, what about uh, over half the folks over 65, depending on the state, have been vaccinated, I think. So, um, you, you know, so it, it's it's getting there. But yeah, I mean, you know, you 
everything needs some sort of plan and if it if you obviously last doesn't mean that it's a huge time scale it could all be pretty quick so exactly um, exactly very good so um i think that's it for today and for this week and i will talk to you again next week but for now take care be safe thank you as always my pleasure talk to you soon yep bye 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 Hi again. Hope you enjoyed this conversation with Shweta Bagade on this week's College News Fit to Digest. For your questions or comments on this podcast, please email podcast at almamatters.io. Thank you all so much for listening to today's podcast. Transcripts for this podcast and previous podcasts are on almamatters.io forward slash podcasts. To stay connected with us, subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, or visit anchor.fm forward slash alma matters to check us out. Till we meet again, take care and be safe. Thank you.